Welcome to the Eagles Nest Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this recent message. Mitchell and Emily. Bear with me for a little bit. We're going to get set up up here, move some stools around. Amen. Welcome to the house of God this morning. That's awesome. I didn't even need to ask for the response. That's how I feel when I come to the house of the... I titled my message uh, today. I didn't title the message. I titled the document that Emily and I were working on to put together our sharing this morning, the Lord's Day. It's just something about, for me, and I think for everybody, just something special about name, naming rights. You know, and just like putting... I, 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 used, I remember in college when I was writing papers... And, you know, doing, doing things of that nature, I'd spend probably, if, I, if, if you're going to take the total time of writing the paper from beginning to end, I would say 30% of the time was what's the title? What's, what's this going to be? And I think that's huge. So if the writers in the room know exactly what I'm talking about. But so I, I put that on there because, you know, it has... N- it has everything to do with what we're going to share about, but nothing specific to the content other than the Lord's Day. And that's something about that just inspires me and at the same time relaxes me and gives me peace. I mean, there's just so much there, right? So up on the screen, uh, Nick, if you want to, there's going to be some pictures cycling back there throughout our speaking. Uh, you'll need your Bibles out. I'm going to shut off the light so that you can appreciate a little bit more that didn't help at all. <laughs> a little bit. <clears throat> so the pictures that will be cycling back there, there's four of them, uh, just to kind of put some backdrop. We were out, my wife and I, in California a couple weeks ago for two weeks, spent some time just being refreshed and uh, being as a family together without, you know, works going on and all these other things. It was just a beautiful time. And while we were out there on the weekends, we visited some cool ministries. And so as this cycles back behind me, that's, that's, that's the context. This is Northern California. You'll see some cool places in there, some awesome creation. God speaks to me that way. I know he does to many of you. Um, and uh, I'll turn around every once in a while and kind of tell you what you're looking at. And, Nick, if it's on an automatic rotation, you can slow it down. Or if it's on, you're like, you're clicking it, you can do it like once, one picture every like five minutes. So it's not you know, just clicking around back there, but, <clears throat> so, the message title, as you saw on some of those slides, was, did anybody catch it, grace and, home base. absolutely, grace upon grace, home base, that's, that's what I, and Emily are going to be sharing with you this morning on, and um, that's the, that's the big idea, that's the takeaway, and it's, it's grace upon grace, and we find it everywhere, but I would say especially at home base, you know, where we're rooted and where we're grounded, where God's planted us, that's, that's where we live and move, and then we reach out and we branch out and we grow and we spread and we share, but home base, there's something special about home base, and if you guys have to go and you leave and before communion, hear this, home base, this is where I'm rooted, this is where I'm planted, this ministry, this Eagles Nest Church is a solid 
foundation founded on God's principles with godly leadership, spirit-filled authority, authorities in this house. His power is here. We've seen it moving. This is a good place. This is a good home. So hear it from me. If you're looking for a home base, I promise you, you'll feel right at home here because as believers, where do you feel at home? You feel at home in the presence of God. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of the nutshell of what we're going to be sharing. And I want to take us through some scripture in, on our way through, and we're going to be settling in Titus. So you can turn there. Again, it's just pictures going to be floating around back there, so I won't have any scriptures up there. We'll have to use our Bibles. But if you want to go to Titus, First and Second Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, right at the end. Uh, and Titus is, is a cool book. It's a letter from Paul. It's really short. I mean, you, you turn the page, and in some Bibles, it's like, oh, <laughs> there's Philemon. You know, and it's, it's, but it's so cool. It's packed full. It's just concise. It's a great message. And Paul is the author of that, just to provide a little context before we read. In fact, let's read, and then we'll provide context. Let's go to Titus chapter 2 and read verse 11 through and following. And uh, this is what it says. For the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who himself he gave for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, a specific, a set-apart, sanctified people, zealous of good works. So much in there. It's, it's just a really great synopsis of the gospel message right there and why we serve the Lord that we serve. And so Paul, he's writing this to Titus. And he, Paul, if we take a step back, who was he before that? His name was Saul. He's a, he's a, he's a Jew by where he lives. He's a Roman citizen, or Jew by heritage, and that's, that's, you know, in Roman citizenship. So he's got this really interesting dynamic with the connection to the Jews and the religious leaders, and then the connection to the, to the Romans, respected in both arenas. Uh, and it's just really, a really interesting guy. And he's learned, he's educated, and he has this experience, Saul. He's, he's punishing, persecuting Christians, those following Jesus who went already and ascended into heaven, and now there's apostles and his disciples preaching and spreading the word, and Saul is persecuting them. And he has the encounter on the road to Damascus uh, with the Lord, comes down, says, hey, isn't it hard to kick your against the pricks? Isn't it hard to try to go the wrong direction? And just like, you know, I'm trying to get you to go this way, and you just keep trying to walk up the, who's been in the airports, and they have those cool, you know, like, you go, you can walk like this, or you can go over here, and you can be like, you, can, you know what I mean? And you're just sliding, you know, and then, and it's really cool, but it's like, it's one of those things, Judah was up there in the airport, we had a two and a half, so we flew out to Northern California, this isn't in my notes, I'm going to share it, and then I'm going to run out of time. Okay. That was Lake Tahoe. Yeah, it was Lake Tahoe. 
No, it wasn't. This is Whiskey Town. I didn't have any whiskey in Whiskey Town. Uh, although I don't condemn anybody for having whiskey in Whiskey Town as long as you don't, aren't given too much whiskey. Paul wrote this. In Titus, actually. Men, do not be given too much wine. Leaders of the church, do not be given too much wine. There's a quantity there. We're not going to get into it. Can I preach? Don't get religious on me. Come on. All right. No whiskey in Whiskey Town. Beautiful place, though. It was all burned down. All those fires um, came through, and it was a really beautiful place, and it's a different kind of place now because it's, it's still two years from, I should say, not still. It's, all, it's two years away from the fire, but it's still just kind of, it, you can see, it's charred. It's like, you know, my, I, I smoked something and just let it go too long, it's, but it's starting to grow back. And Emily had a cool note. I don't know where the Lord's going to take us today, but wherever he takes us, hear what he has to share, because he's going to, I asked him this morning to speak through me, and there's preparation that goes into it, but at the end of the day, God controls the message, and I don't care if we don't even get to what's on this page, because I know that I am submitted to God, I'm a vessel, and he's just going to speak to his people today. And so Emily had a note, she was driving through, and, she, and we were driving, and it's like, wow, this was, this was once beautiful. It kind of the perspective we had, because my family had been there, I made it out there, and by the time I got out there, everything scorched to death. Literally. I mean, it's not a joke. It's dead. Gone. And it felt weird. It was like, what? It's like, I, it's not beautiful. And then Emily's like, you know what? And because there's, there's all this work being done and all these, you know, kind of covering the mountains. There's things, being ha- things happening. And Emily was like, you know, someone was, I was talking to somebody. We were just talking about this. Before, before people started populating the mountains there, that was part of God's plan. There was fires that ripped through that whole Sierra Nevada mountain range, just annihilated the whole thing without helicopters dropping their specific chemistry allotted solutions to put out the fire and digging and all this, all this thing that man does, and it's good, and I'm not condemning it, but I'm saying before we came on the scene, there was fires that ripped through there without anybody or anything stopping it. And it was beautiful. It's part of the process. Refinement is part of the process. And so if you've got people running around your little mountain range, as God's trying to, by people I mean, this is uncomfortable. I don't, I don't think so. I, I stepped into the river of God, and this is uncomfortable. And I thought his presence was supposed to be comfortable. Nowhere in the scripture does it say Comfortable. If you're getting uncomfortable, take the people off the mountain and say, Lord God, rip that fire through my Sierra Nevada mountain range so that I can be beautiful once again and be the way you created me. Because I know that part of this process of being a beautiful mountain range in an awesome place where people come and see God's love and experience the grace that Paul said we need to share with others is refinement by his fire. And that's part of who he is and a part of who we need to be. And if we resist that, we resist also our greatest potential. And so, yeah, and and that's part of Paul's message. (laughs) Let's take communion. I'm going to pass it off to Emily. No, so, and in Titus, he's talking to Titus. Let's get back to the context. He's Saul, and now he's Paul. He's seen the truth. And now he's changed and he's different. He's got these Jewish friends that are like, bro, what changed? And he's like, mm, decisions to make. 
circle of friends and influence that I got have abandoned. You know, things that are real. We talk about Saul and Paul, and it's all, you know, it's great. And, but think about it. A lot of us have experienced that transition, that season, that change, and it's like, wow, there's something. Stuff does change. It's not change, and then I don't know. It changed. It's people changed of that, that used to hang in his circles. And how they thought about him changed. And he lost a lot of that respect that people and men and women just love sometimes. That human nature just, man, I am honored. I'm educated, Jewish community, religious leaders, I'm one of them. Roman citizens, one of them. I've got the 401k, I'm set. I've got this location in Rome, I've got this location in, uh, it, for when it gets a little cold, I'll come down to Jerusalem and maybe I'll hang out by the Mediterranean Sea. I got some friends in Crete, uh, that cool island. It's got some crazy people on it, but, you know, he's got it. These are all things that had to change for him. And we just got to, we got to embrace that. We got to embrace that change and knowing that, listen, if God's in control of the change and we're abandoning things that feel good and that, that were good and that it did, it did feel like that's, that's a great plan, think about how much better the plan that God has for us having abandoned this, which we know is not as good as greater than equal sign, right? This is less than what God has for us and the change is right in between. So let that encourage you that, oh man, all that good, all that, those island homes and this and that. God's got island homes. God's got all the 401k. God's got your, what, I'm ta- what am I talking about? Prosperity and provision. And he may not define it the way that you define it, but let God be God and you be a vessel. And so Paul is ministering the word. He gets a hold of it and he goes out and he's speaking grace upon grace to others. He, um, and, 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 and Titus is a gentleman, is a, is a good man, it says, that he came in contact with, and he, he did a number of things, Titus did, but one of the things specific to this letter is he followed Paul's uh, direction to go oversee the churches in Crete. And so if we look, where's Crete? I love uh, picturing things, you know, in real life. What's going on? Like, this is not a story. This happened on a place of you know, on the map here. So we got Italy up there, and you guys, you can't see it because I can't reach. I'm not tall enough. Dave, can you give me some help here? Unbelievable. I didn't think that through. All right, now I'm not going to tell him. I'm just going to dictate. Now David's potentially going to be embarrassed and share mine because he's going to be like, where's Italy? Uh, that's, actually, that's actually Jerusalem. All right, so here we go. Point to Africa. Yep. Red Sea, where the uh, Egyptians and they crossed. Where's that p- point where they probably crossed? That's uh, north, 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 north. Yeah, right in that range. Okay. Where did we uh, walk the Mediterranean Sea when we first landed in Israel? We took that tour. Yeah, that's good. It's error on the side of cover, like the whole map that my big hand can cover. Yep. Dave and I love each other. This is why. This is. All right, go to Italy for me. Boom. And now go to Greece. Huh? Ah! East, 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 east. No, that's the water. Greece is the land. There we go. All right, here we go. That's Greece. Now Crete is south to southeast, about 50 to 150 miles. Uh, no, about 50, no, south to southeast, further south, like west, 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 right there. That's Crete. So it's this little island. Thank you, David. 
It's this little island, and it's a cool island. I went on Google Maps. Nick, if you can be handy, I, I gave you the liberty to go on, just search Crete, and then on Google Maps, it'll do like a 360. You guys know what I'm talking about, and you can kind of see like the actual, what it looks like today. It's a pretty place. And in Titus, M, could you flip to Titus for me? Um, chapter 1, verse I think it's 12. Does anybody know what that verse says? It's kind of an obscure verse. It's like a good verse for one of those, you know, first one to quote it, like Bible trivia, because, uh, yeah. yeah. What was it? Yeah, Clark's got it. Lazy gluttons. So, I mean, you think about it. Like, let's, just, let's just break it down. Let's just break it down once. Let's just break it down. What was Crete? Crete's island living, man. Hey, man, what's going on? But not that kind of an accent. I don't know what accent they have there. We'll do a missionary trip and we'll find out. But Crete's that island living. There's some crazy folks out there. There's some lazy folks out there. There's chilling on the beach having rum from the sugar cane that grows up coast. You know, it's just like, this is, this is Crete. And so Titus was put there. That's all right. First and second Timothy, Titus, Philemon, and Hebrews. It's, that's what I'm saying. You can't find Titus. It's like one page in the Bible. I'm serious. <laughs> it's not an easy find. Oh, sweet. Okay, hit that. Ah, what a, well, yeah, so that's, oh, hit that. Let's see that picture up there at the top left. Yeah, hit that. Get that on the screen. Yeah, cool. So it's not like a low-down dungeon place. This is a sweet island, really cool, but the folks there are the kind of, you know, stereotypical folks. The Greeks. Yeah, and they like to have fun. Greeks like to have fun and talk very loud. <laughs> it's just, I'm not, it's the reality. This is how God made us. And a Tower of Babel, he gave us each different languages. And the Greeks, he just like turned up the volume. I'm talking about, it's like everybody has zero through ten. I, right? But, but I think yours has fifteen. It's like in the dial, it's like one of those God things. It doesn't even make sense because it's like one is here. And then like 15 is where 5 is, and it's like, but how did we, it's, I, it's the way he made us. Yeah. So he sent to these people, and he's overseeing them. And this Titus letter is Paul saying, this is how I want you to organize this church, these churches here. Govern it this way. Oversee it this way. This is how the Lord has spoken to me. And so if you read it, it's a really quick read. I encourage you to do it. Chapter 2 the first few verses there, actually the whole chapter, is really just an outlay of how, how it's supposed to look in, in God's, it, it, how he spoke to Paul. This is how the, the church and the pastoral work is supposed to, is supposed to be. And so, and so what we just read in 2 verse 11 and following was exactly that setup. And so Paul's traveling. He can't be everywhere all at once. And he sets up Titus to oversee Crete and those folks there and then he's going over here and he's going over there but my message is that as he's going to all these different places traveling throughout Middle East and Asia and sharing God's grace he found grace the same grace the same measure of grace that he experienced in the presence of God and the presence of all those believers everywhere that he traveled right at home and I want you to understand that and appreciate that because some are called to be apostles. Some are called to be pastors. Apostles, pastors over the flock. And some are called to be teachers. And, and, but whatever we're called to, there is a certain measure of grace, which is no less than of the measure of grace you can find anywhere else that you find 
right at home base. And that's what Paul understood. And so Paul is doing these travels and understanding that, really, I need to have this relationship with God, and then I have to have this relationship with man, and I'm called to love God, and I'm called to love man, and that's it. If I understand these things and I maintain that, then that's, I got it. And so I want to come back to that. Bookmark that, because I want to sh- come back and expand on that. But as we're talking about traveling, and Emily and I are the youth pastors here, that's our vision here, to encounter God, to share it with others, to have a relationship with God, have a relationship with others, to have the one, to have the two, to have the seven. There's different. There's influence, and then there's discipleship. And we'll talk about that um, after Emily shares. But it, that's, that's at Eagles Nest Church, as youth pastors, and all the pastors, all the authorities, all the folks that are here leading and, and called to God's ministry in this place, in this geographical location, understand that principle and, and, and follow and walk it out. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Emily. She's going to share a few things that are on our heart. Thank you. So I'm going to stick to the page. <laughs> and I, I think you'll see how this all wraps in. But um, I wanted to share two things kind of from our testimony of going um, to the West Coast, and some of these pictures are mostly just of beautiful locations, but we also stopped by two fantastic ministries, Jesus Culture Sacramento and Bethel Church. I've been to Bethel Church before, but it was my first time at JC Sacramento, so that was really awesome. And what Mitch is talking about is having a home base, but being refreshed, going to someone else's mountain where they're serving, where they're serving the same Lord that you are here. And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same God of Bethel that he is here, that he is of the Beveres, that he is here, that he is of JC Sacramento, Chris Kilala, all those people, same God. We're serving the same God. And it is so fantastic going out to these other ministries or these conferences that are even here locally and experiencing God through someone else's labors. You're kind of tasting of their fruit. And it's really delicious when you go. But it's more delicious when you know that the seeds are back here for you to plant and reap the same fruit. So what I wanted to just kind of bridge back from Paul going out, spreading the gospel, finding these disciples, is that when you go out, you get to glean from all these other people and then come home and then really reap and sow kind of in your own space when you're at home base. Mom likes rhyming. (laughs) So (laughs) I don't remember. Watch the recording. Okay, so, uh, yep, low battery, your Mac will soon sleep, and we don't have any USB-Cs here, so we're going to have to, uh, okay, yeah. Um, So, what I wanted to say is God really encouraged me in persevering in what we're doing here because it's easy to go there and see, oh my gosh, there's so many people joyfully serving, like everyone is serving so happily out there. And you just get so encouraged, like, wow, there are probably hundreds of people serving for this single service today. A couple of examples. I have a, I have a wonderful daughter. Her name is Callie. Sometimes she's a little clingy to me. If you know her, you know. And um, <clears throat> she was navigating a very busy Sunday morning children's ministry at Bethel Church. Very busy. Lots of kids. Uh, and with no one-on-one connection, she feels sometimes a little forgotten. So who does she want? me. (laughs) So we got the text message, they put our number up, and then I go out there and I kind of assess the situation. I was like, yeah, this isn't going to have much longevity. So (laughs) um, 
But you know what really encouraged me, and this might seem small to you guys without young parent or young kids, but they tried so hard to keep her in the nursery. They really wanted to serve me by serving my daughter. And I was so encouraged, like, I so appreciate your efforts right now, but I, I just know that she would be happier with me. And it made me feel like, man, how many times have I just been like, well, that's not going to work, so let's send them back upstairs. Or, you know, like, there's so many things where we're like, okay, I'm going to give a little effort, but that's enough, you know. <laughs> I've kind of stepped into my, this is way asking too much of me, Emily Winter, who needs personal space. So <laughs> it really encouraged me to come back here and serve fully. If I'm going to put my name on the page of serving, I need to be there to serve and to be ready to go above and beyond so that someone else is able to receive what the Lord has for them while they're eating of our fruit. So that was one of my personal encouragements. And also, I really wanted to kind of go back to the um, amount of volunteers that I saw and the amount of joy that I saw in them. I really felt, and I just sensed in my spirit, that they all are really focusing on the God that they serve and the Holy Spirit that is absolutely at work in their ministries. And, and I mean, you just walk in there and you're like, whew. <laughs> um, and uh, they're really focusing on that and not the challenges of ministry. Wendy went out there with her parents um, five years ago, somewhere in that range, and she got kind of a behind-the-scenes tour, and somebody had, you know, kind of mentioned that, you know, oh, well, with a big church like this, we're having the same challenges that any size church would have. It's just on a bigger scale, and, you know, kind of what I heard from that is that they are, they, there's challenges in ministry, there's intricacies, there's things that you have to overcome, but when you can do it when the congregation is joyful and they have honor and they respect the Holy Spirit at work, then you're going to get joyful volunteers, people that come to visit and feel truly served. So I wanted to encourage us, and I will bridge in my short uh, analogy, which goes with your burnt um, trees. I wanted to encourage us to not go through dry seasons of honor and joy. Those are two seasons to const or two areas to constantly water. So you don't want to miss any seasons where you're lacking in those two areas because that's when you're going to feel dryness. And my uh, short testimony, which relates to my trip and his trees, is that I totally forgot to tell Kiri to water my plants while I was gone. <laughs> They're plants from my grandma, um, who's since passed away, but she kind of left them to me because I was the only one that liked plants in my family. And uh, they were watered for decades um, every Monday. Just every Monday, my grandma watered her plants. So that's kind of their diet and nutrition. And uh, I totally forgot to tell Carrie to water my plants. So when I, come when I came home, I had several dead leaves. It's just what happens. Or if I miss even a day, you just kind of notice the leaves start to do this. And then you water them and nurse them back, and then they're flocked. So that is an exact example of what it looks like when we're going through seasons of no honor and no joy. And I, I just feel like no matter if you serve here, if you, you know, are a member here, or if you're a member anywhere else, or if you are a human being, <laughs> that there is absolutely room to make sure you are watered in those two areas. So our Thrive group, I just want to honor them. They, thank you. They went through the Honors Reward book by John Bevere, and they are totally thriving in that area. So if you want to like know more about it, uh, this row, kind of this section back there, that's who you got to talk to. <laughs> and um, that's really where you're going to see growth 
in your serving, in your fruit, and what other people see in you. So I just wanted to encourage us in that um, to really, let's do that here, and we'll see the same fruit. Amen. Thank you, Emma. That was beautiful. As we move to close, I want to just invite the ushers to come out, prepare the communion table. Stu, any others on the worship team to just set the um, musical background for our close with communion. But I want to share a few more things as they're doing that and as part of communion. Um, so I talked about we'd return to this. Uh, let's just re repeat again what we're talking about today. We're talking about grace upon grace find it at home base and everywhere. God's grace is everywhere. And there's, there's, this, there's this thing I was thinking about, and the Lord even shared it while I was coming off uh, of, the, of here from leading worship with the team. And it's, you know, there's, there is a real impact that when you go to a conference, you feel, right? Or you go to a, another ministry and you feel, you know, you go to Bethel, you go to Elevation Church, you go to Eagles Nest Church, you go to these different places. If you're not from there and you go there and you come back and it's like, wow, got like Emily was saying, got refreshed, I got ministered to, I received. And there's a true element of, of receiving versus serving. Um, one, one quick passing thing. It's not mutually exclusive and can be parallel pathed. What does that mean? That means you don't have to stop serving to receive. You can receive while you're serving. And in fact, that's the best way. However, there are super special times when you get the pleasure, when God gives you the gift of saying, my son, my daughter, it's just you and me right here. You don't worry about the grace to all those other folks. Just for right now, I want to speak to you. I want to touch you. It's just your time to receive. It's a merry moment to kneel at his feet and just, Lord, what do you have to say? And that's, and that's kind of what we experience, I think, when we go at the women's conference. I'm not a woman, but I got touched. And it was a beautiful thing. Awesome. Awesome stuff. But, and at Bethel, really cool stuff. I think more so because I didn't have to, I wasn't focused on all these things. I was just, I was just there to receive. But, but, but that's not just it. Why do we come back from the women's conference that Carrie and Chris led, and, and it's beautiful, and we feel awesome and engaged and inspired, or come back from, you know, a place that's not our home base, and we just, it's just, but why? Why is it? Is more of God in those places, interactive? Is more of God at Bethel? Is more of God at Elevation Church? Is more of God just come down and strike into the women's conference this weekend than what is anywhere else? God is omnipresent. There is the same measure of God everywhere. So what's the difference? What's the variable? We talk about faith, and faith is this thing. It's, it's sometimes hard to grasp a hold of. It's hard to put into application. But let me give you the word that God gave to me. This is one way to apply faith, and it's with this word, expectation. Amen. Stu, help me out with something here. Expectation, if you come, to God's house, to the Lord's house. If you enter the presence of the Lord, and when I say enter the presence of the Lord, that is not a physical act. That is a heart act. God is omnipresent. I will enter the presence of the Lord in my bathroom, in the shower, in the Lord's physical house, on vacation, I will enter the Lord's house, and I will enter his presence. And how will I enter it? With expectation that the Lord is going to move. 
with the expectation that, God, you are here and you are all not only omnipresent, but you are omnipotent and you are all powerful. And that disease that's been kicking around in my family is done today. And that thing that I've been struggling with that I can't turn off the TV or stop from doing is done today. Or let's turn it to the positive. That thing that I'm walking in that I feel favor in, that job that's going so well, this is just the beginning. And it's up from here. And even though I may walk into a prison like Paul did when he was called in the Macedonian vision, said, go here. I don't want you in Asia right now. You just hold your horses. I'll spread the grace out there eventually. And maybe I'll use someone else to do it. But right now, I need you in Mass. I need you right here. There's one person. Her name is Lydia. She's a seller of purple. She may mean nothing to you. She may be the worst person that you have ever encountered, the most annoying person to talk to. But I want you to go to her. And what's going to happen after that? You're not going to get paid a million dollars. You're not going to win the lottery. She's going to win the spiritual lottery. Her mark in history is going to have ripple effects beyond what you can comprehend. And then you're going to get tossed in prison. And people are going to get angry because you're going to kick out of a, of a woman who's been demon-possessed the very few days later. And then people, the originalist leaders are saying, they're stirring stuff up. Get these guys out of my town. And they're going to send you in prison. And you're like, I made a mistake. Should have gone to Asia. But God wanted you to do that. Prison is part of it. Refinement is part of it. And you've got the choice of how you're going to be in those moments. Diane, you had the choice of how you were going to be in that moment. When the enemy walked up to your door and said, I've got this for you. And you said, no, you don't. You do not have that for me. I know what God's got for me. And that's what my future holds. And that's where I'm going to stand. And I may be getting passionate here. And like you may have, maybe haven't seen Mitch Winter, but this is the kind of righteous indignation that you've got to stand up to the enemy. And you've got to say no more. And you've got to walk into your job. It's not just about conquering disease and conquering failure. It's about continued success. Some of you guys are on mountaintops, and you're not giving God praise. Be careful, because there's a downfall that happens after that. Give God praise, and he'll show you that that mountaintop was just a valley to the next mountain. Paul understood that. And so when he was tossed in prison, he didn't have the expectation that I made a mistake. That might have crossed his mind. Speculative. But I'll tell you what's written in the scriptures and that we can say surely happened. They praised God. Because they had the expectation that no matter what happens or comes against me, ministers, whatever happens to me, Romans 8.28 Paul wrote that same thing. What did he say? Shout it out if you know it. All things work together for them who, to, to, for the good, for them who love God, for them who are called according, the called according to his purpose. He knew though he was in the prison, this is just fire ripping over my mountain. I'm going to come out of this thing more beautiful. And it may take two years, or it may take two seconds. For him, it took two seconds in that moment. The whole jail cell situation broke loose. And you know what they did? They didn't run and hide because they maintained that expectation. Why run and hide from somewhere where you know God has you? Why run and hide from where you know God's called you? 
Just because it got a little difficult, just because someone offended you, just because something didn't go the right way, just because someone who's human and prone to error made an error that affected you does not mean you should go run and hide. It means that you should continue where you are and wait for the full fulfillment of God's plan in your life in that season at home base. And Paul and Silas saw it. They stayed there, continued to worship, saved a man's life who was about to take his own. Saved him and his whole family. And so as we stand together and receive the communion, I'm going to read in Titus 3 and then jump to 2. Just put yourself in a position, something they did at Bethel, which is awesome. This is a sacred act. They reminded us of how sacred this act is. This act of communion is not just tradition. In fact, it's, it, it's so much more. And Jesus said, if you don't do this in the way that your heart, with your heart in the right position, which is a position of thankfulness, coming to the altar and making yourself clean before the Lord, not making yourself clean before the Lord, accepting his cleansing. It says in, it says in Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness which ye have done, we have done, not by works of righteousness which I have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. God, Jesus, saved us. By the washing, this is Paul writing to Titus about how to organize, about how to, how to operate the church in Crete. It's a real thing. Titus needed help with these guys who were kind of out of control. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, the washing of regeneration, the fire comes. The rain follows. And regeneration takes place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, bring your fire on this house. And so quickly, Lord, send your rain to wash over those, those fired mountains, those trees of our lives. Yes, Lord. Such that the regeneration brings forth up from the ground of our souls, of our hearts, only what is destined to be there from the beginning of time that you created me and us to be. Let everything else, all the weeds, all of the chaff, all of the underbrush that was choking out new growth, let it be gone and no more. In Jesus' name. So Jesus shed on us abundantly that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying. This is true. Not only is it true, it's faithful. It endures. Worthy of all acceptation. It's worthy of all acceptation. Yes, God. These things I will that thou affirm constantly. This is a faithful saying. This is true. Thank you, God. It's worthy of all acceptance. It's applicable to any person or walk of life. And Titus and Kathy and Chris and put your name in that blank.
Jesus is calling you. Jesus is calling me. Jesus is calling us to affirm these things constantly in our own hearts and in the lives of others, in the ears of others, that they which have believed on God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Just lift the, the bread and God, we thank you for Break bread together. the body that you broke for us. We thank you that the stripes on your back enable us to move in victory over any, through any, with any, being given any healing that we need. We thank you that your sacrifice there was the perfect sacrifice that no matter where we come from or what we've done or what we will do, that was all that's needed. We thank you for this all-sufficient sacrifice, God, as we partake. Yes, God. It says in Titus 2.4 that it is God who will have all men to be saved. It's God. There's some who say, I don't, I, thank you, God. I don't follow God. I can't, get in, I can't get into relationship with or believe in a God who would do X, Y, and Z or, or, or would sentence folks to hell. Hey, somebody who throw the, throws a, a pigskin pretty good said that most recently. Someone that we might admire from an athlete perspective. But Paul, being anointed by God, speaking the words of God, God said, it is I who will have all men to be saved. It is God who will have all men to be saved. Yes, Lord. And come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, that mediator between us and our God the Father, our God the King, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not. He's saying these things because he's combating the same type of contrary conversation then that we encounter now. This wasn't just going over the bow of a ship of people's ears and everybody's just grabbing a hold of it. There was contradiction. There was friction. He's constantly reiterating to Titus, this is the truth. This is what God's told me. This is who God's called me to be. And sometimes as we're ministering to people, we need to remind them. Good word. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. A Jew, Roman citizen, preaching the word, grace upon grace, across the then known world. Found that same grace at home. And God, we thank you for that sacrifice. You're our mediator between our Father, God in heaven. As we take the cup, we thank you for the blood that you shed on that cross that washes us clean, that washes us clean, Lord God, that cleanses us and makes us pure and white as snow. We partake in that with a grateful heart and an expectant position 
that your work will be done in our lives. Clark wore a suit today. God spoke to me, and we'll close. Our pastor noticed him. He dressed like a pastor today. He is a pastor. He is a man of God, but he dressed like one in the physical. That's not what I'm talking about. But spiritually, if you want God to use you, if you're saying, God, use me, dress like you want God to use you. I'm not talking about putting on threads. These are nice threads. But that's not what I'm talking about. What was Paul's message? Another part of his message. Dale owns it. One word. Righteousness. Put on the robe of righteousness. You want to be used by God. Put on the robe of righteousness. Put on the robe of righteousness. Sometimes we're hiding. We're, you know, I don't want to be called on. I'm going to dress like a carpenter today because I don't want to get up and speak because that's uncomfortable. Put on the robe of righteousness and let God call on you today. Come into his house, the Lord's house, with the expectation that he's going to move. With the expectation to see God's power. Eagle's Nest Church is the Lord's house. We should come into this place with the expectation that the Lord is going to move. We should go into our bedroom with the expectation to hear God's voice. But there's this. There's this. There's the relationship with God and the relationship with man. There's the love of God and the love of man. You take one of those away and it's incomplete. You take one of them away, you're just, you're just this. You can be friends with everybody. You can connect to the whole world, but you got no depth. It's a really wide pool, but you have no depth because you're not linked up. You can have just this and be in your bedroom, kneel it on prayer. You can just be Daniel, but just the Daniel version that was just in the room and he never made it out into the kingdom. And you're so deep with God, but, and you're going to heaven, and that's wonderful, and you're going to have a great experience, but not as good of an experience as you could have as if you get tossed into prisons because you're taking risks and leaps of faith and going out into the world. But come back to home base and be refreshed. Lord God, I just thank you for this message today as you shared with me and these people. I thank you for calling it to our hearts and, and, and just establishing it in the, in, the, in, the, in the threads of how we're wired and how we're going to go out into the world, Lord God. And that is to bring God. We don't go to a different place to find God. We know where you are. You're right here. We go to take you to a new place and to a new people and to share your grace and your love. And we thank you for giving us the unction to do that, for giving us the ability to walk through the friction, knowing that you are in control. And all things work together for good. And it may be a spiritual and Christian colloquialism, but it's never, it's never ever been not true and never ever been watered down and never, ever been only applicable to this situation, but not that. All things yes. work Thank together you, for good. Thank to you, them Lord. who are called, to them who love God, called, the called according to his purpose. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. If before, before we leave, before we leave, would you just join me in lifting up your hands, thanking the Lord, our Heavenly Father, for his great provision. He has broken the bread of life in our midst and dispersed living water. Would you just join me in inviting Jesus in a special way?
Say this with me. Dear Jesus, will you come into my heart afresh and make your home in my life? Thank you for being my Savior, taking away all of my sins, and using my life to build your church and glorify my Father which is in heaven. I start right now. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this recent message. Please visit eaglesnestchurch.net for more information.